Okay, so we got our audio back. <laughs> oh, seriously, trying to watch the like. Honestly, you're gonna get a whole choreographed dance move by the by the end of the season. There's gotta be. Oh, it's annoying because I can't record it because it's just recording my output. Not like okay. it's just for you, Nick. It's so, did Colin? You you said on you said on the last episode you were gonna record this. Did you record that? <laughs> oh, hold on. Give me give me a second. I can get back the last thirty seconds. Oh no! No no no! Yes. <laughs> or you have evidence. <laughs> uh, I can do this quick. I can do this quick. <laughs> right, right. I've, I've saved it. We'll have a look okay, afterwards to awesome. see if it worked or not. Can't yeah. believe you've done this. We're gonna have a uh, epic fails compilation of all the all the times that we screwed up on the podcast <laughs> at the end of this. Um. Anyway, welcome to the Catching Up podcast. Um. <laughs> we got this sidetracked before we even started. That's classic, classic us, right? Um. So yeah, welcome, welcome back. Um, thanks for all the comments and uh, views and sharing. We we love it on the the previous one. We've had over three hundred views on YouTube again. We love that. Um, and also shout out to EDF for for shouting us out because that was pretty awesome. Uh, we we love this. Um, so all the more content for everyone about dodgeball. So yeah, as promised last time, we said we were going to go and talk about uh, mixed and men's on this episode. So that's what we're going to do. Um, unless anyone else have anything to say, should we get straight into it? We love you. <laughs> we, we love you, those who play dodgeball and those who watch it and support us. We love everyone. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, straight into mixed. So mixed pools. Um, for those that are audio listeners, um, what we're showing on the screen at the moment is the the mixed pool standings at the end of it. Um, so just to run through them real quick, we have pool A, Netherlands first, Scotland second, France third, Switzerland fourth, and Belgium fifth, with Netherlands, Scotland, and uh, France qualifying through to the quarterfinals. Pool B, England, Sweden, Italy, Czech Republic, Croatia, with England, Sweden, and Italy uh, finishing in the top three and therefore qualifying uh, along with Italy. And then Northern Ireland, Austria, Wales, Republic of Ireland, Spain in Pool C, uh, with just Northern Ireland and Austria uh, making it through. So I'm going to open it straight up. What, what what's our what's our initial thoughts? Where 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 are we at with this? Pool A was bonkers. Like make it make sense. I <laughs> uh, I know we were predicting that to be a tight group, but I don't. We we mentioned there was potential for the you know the merry go round of victories but i didn't actually think it was gonna happen you know <laughs> i didn't i didn't really back it when we said it but i think it was zoe that that was convinced it was gonna happen um zoe's french prediction once again kind of coming through um fairly clutch <laughs> one one set off of uh or two sets technically yeah. off of off of uh nailing that prediction uh, but yeah, that was a hell of a group to watch, wasn't it? It was indeed. Yeah. Was good fun. That was that was a very fun group to play in as well. But yeah, stressful, stressful, stressful group with three ridiculously close teams at the top. And then, I mean, honestly, Switzerland had, had an eye in at times. And yeah, you, you had some really but... close games with them as well, didn't you? Like, I think yeah. there was one, maybe two matches where it came down to a set. 
Um, I mean, in all of in all of our games, the difference between our men's our mix and our women's is that our men's won the games that came very close. Our mix and our mm. women's lost them. So, so what we're now knowing from this is that Zoe's very good at dealing with heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> it was you had some really Savage. close games. So like in yeah. in the mix group, you lost to France by one set. Who ended up claiming fifth, I think overall. Um, you had uh, a very close game to uh, Belgium as well. You won won that one though. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, well played. Um, and a bit of a interesting group because it was basically the second day of the group stages, so the Friday, where everything went down for that group because uh, that was when you had the fun of uh, the Netherlands beating Scotland. Um, and that was a good game. The uh, did the Dutch wait? Which one? Of the other game? I'm thinking of. So Scotland beat France. France beat Netherlands. Yeah, France beat Netherlands on the second day, and then Netherlands beat Scotland on the second day as well. Scotland had yeah. an awful run in that day with Netherlands because they had three matches back to back against Netherlands. They lost two one one. <laughs> Um, with only the men's oh, uh, being the Dutch, because um, the women's lost, and then the mix lost, and then the men's managed to uh, bring it back and uh, get a win. So, uh, an interesting one for the Scots. Um, on that note, I'm just going to say the Scots were the most unpredictable team uh, in, in, in pretty much every in every division as well. Like... Just, just literally everything. Like, so yeah. any match we're going to talk about that, that prefaces the Scots, we're just going to say. On, on on their highs, they could have beaten anyone. On their lows, they could have lost and lost to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. were all over the place in in mixed and men's. Um, yeah, and every, they, every best... Scotland. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Zoe. I was just going to say that every like their best performance for Scotland, they could have won the whole competition. It felt like it was like when you say they could win anything. I genuinely do believe that the best Scottish performance would have been the the kind of one that could win the whole thing, but. They just they only had it not even for a full game at times, so it, it was very unpredictable. And, and hopefully they just managed to actually find out what what sparks them in those few moments and uh, yeah. bring that back for the next one. Yeah, I was gonna say like at the, pretty much every player in Scotland, um, especially from the mixed matches I've seen, individual players had so many big moments throughout the tournament. But whenever it mattered in the games that they lost nobody really was able to step up the gear as a team to to drive it home um because if they did like if they all played at their best they were they were beating anybody that was put in front of them like i would have loved to have seen them all at their best against you know the top the top three in the end um but just never there was never that time where it just felt like it was clicking and momentum was gathering and they were just going to storm off Um, i do think though like say that they, they didn't feel like they clicked. That's so very much just sort of in their performances they don't feel like they clicked. Yeah. As a team, they felt so, like, they just seemed like they were having such a good time and they were really enjoying mm-hmm. being on a team together, which isn't always something that we've seen in some versions of the Home Nation squads before. Um, and I think that this this version of Scotland, I know that the, you know, the process for applying from this time around, then you had to really give you reasons as to why you were actually applying for it and i think that was a good step to have in the process because well, clearly the people who were there yeah but the people who were there were the ones who wanted to be there who, who actually mm-hmm. really cared and i think that showed on court so yeah really good step for them to do that and uh i think that that's 
that worked out well for them. I love that. That's brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I took some notes on the Scotland Dutch game because I think that's the one that I think surprised most people. Um, but the way that game sort of worked out is the Dutch took a quickly to eight nil. Um, my general opinion was that the pre-throws from the Netherlands was pretty good, and then Scotland came back by taking advantage of lax- uh, lapses of concentration of the Dutch. Um, but in the end, that sort of like bit them bit them back because there were times when the Dutch were playing competition. Uh, playing concentration and they were getting those catches and there were a few times that they were getting out of the way and dodging and then it just meant that they didn't have ball control I think there was a, a bit of ball control issue from that that makes Scott's te- team in that game where they were just throwing away Absolutely. four balls when they didn't need to um, and then there were some times where it just seemed like they weren't really paying attention when they were dodging but um, that was you know really tough position when they're trying to claw it back from 8-0 down um, but yeah, it was three eleven at half time. So really well played by the Dutch to, to to bring out such a strong lead and come out of the block so hot and um, get that lead out. And also, yeah, the Dutch were really good at taking the Scots men out in the mixed really quick. Um, mm. And and I think that played a huge part into it as well. Yeah, it shows you how how much better tactically Netherlands have come on um, this tournament compared to previous. Like usually they they didn't really. It didn't look like they went in with the game plan um, in previous tournaments, but um, across the board, Netherlands really stepped up their game um, in terms of quality of players and in quality of tactics as well. It was really cool to see. Yeah, I, and I mean, you can see how close this group was to the fact that three teams finished on six points. They all got three wins. Um, same, pretty much same set difference across the board as well. As well. Yeah, mm. it's, so, how often will you see that in any sport? Like, no. never mind dodgeball. Yeah. No. I mean, you look at the other group as well, and this all comes down to show that um, it really screwed over Wales. <laughs> like, really screwed them over. Uh, like, it's it's rough, because if you look at uh, Pool B, so Pool B, what happened is, uh, so for audio listeners, uh, the top three for Pool A were uh, all on six points. But then Pool B, you had England on eight, you had Sweden on five, and Italy on five. Um, whereas you'd normally expect third place to be finishing on four points with two wins and two losses, essentially splitting the pack. Um, but Sweden and Italy managed to pull out an amazing game where they drew to each other. Um, having watched that game as well, like just the back and forth nature of that game was nuts. It was great. Yeah, it was a really great game to watch. Um, it's, it's, if you're if you're going to show like somebody brand new to dodgeball, that's a great game to show because it was it had a bit of everything. Like. Um, yeah. as 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 an all rounder, and went to the went to the final whistle. Um, and it was just, it, there was no like they just they all just went foot, like like foot in the gas. Let's just go 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 for it. There was no sitting back. Uh, that was a fun that was a fun game. Yeah, I think what made the you know with with that game like Italy definitely had made some better heads up plays. I felt at times, but then when Sweden managed to get ahead, um. There were, you know, some times where I felt Italy was, you know, trying to claw it back when they didn't need to. Some some little uh, experience in game management would have uh, saw out, maybe not saw out the set, but like, you know, make the clock run down so that, you know, the impact of losing one set didn't run onto another set. And then uh, they could pick it back up when, because it, when Italy were winning sets, they were, they were winning sets. Uh, there weren't yeah. very many close ones um, when they were doing that. But Sweden were good at playing tactical and uh, and playing through it. And I think that's one of the big reasons why Sweden mix played so well. Because um, they finished fourth overall, didn't they, I think? Um, yeah, they they lost England in the third place, yeah. yeah. 
really yeah. really well played to be honest um so yeah some great some great placement from them um i mean we mm -hmm. expected england england to top that group and then and then we have the the group of death <laughs> there's no there's no <laughs> nice way to say it. it was the group of death like you you watch that it was yeah. um yeah a tough time though fair play to spain for only getting a minus 62 uh set difference because poor Croatia on minus 88 there um bit of a rough rough time but that that is one hell of a group with northern ireland austria and wales playing against each other i think we all thought wales were going to get through because we thought with it being such a close one you'd expect low set difference which shows because wales you know lost two and still ended up with a positive set difference um mm. but just because of the draws and the round robin in the other in the other groups meant that they missed out they they literally yeah uh... they did a really good job of finishing third but um the other set the other matches as if uh if sweet if sweden beats italy by a set wheels go through yep if yeah. uh and if the round the round robin is why the set difference is is so tight there but wheels could have snuck through potentially if that if that didn't happen um but yeah, so uh, it's just a luck of the draw, isn't it? Um, it's always going to happen. Somebody has to miss out, unfortunately, um, in these situations. And this time, it was it was wheels. Yeah, it was. Uh, they played well. Um, like they they did a they did a really good job against Northern Ireland and Austria. Um, they were tough games to play in because they're two two of the best teams in mixed. But um, the two yeah. best teams in mixed. <laughs> the the two, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that 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 group stages game was actually really great to watch. I'm not sure if anyone else watched it, but um... yeah, it was it was because I I watched it um, whenever whenever it happened on the live stream. Um, great great game. Like it shows you everything that's great about um, both sides, especially showed why Northern Ireland um, deserved to do as well as it did. Um, the the game management, the throw and accuracy, the clutch catches, and um, their ability to survive, like. Because I know a lot of the Northern Ireland ones that whenever they train for Queens, they they get trained on like basically on like judo mats essentially. So they're they're like I've been taught from the start how to do like the big dodges and not be afraid of them early. And you can just it shows with it how they've progressed from um, university players to now that they're still doing those big dodges now and the big stage and the big court. Oh, it was a really good game. I think there was someone said that they that they only played their first team in that both Northern Ireland and Austria only played their first team for like the half of the first half or something. Um, but you couldn't tell. Like the the standard was really good and it was a really competitive game. I think Northern Ireland. Uh, I can't remember what the final score was, but I think Northern Ireland did a good job of managing that game in the end. Uh, what was the final score? Yeah. It was yeah thirteen nine. It was closer than I remember because um, I remember watching it feeling like Northern Ireland kind of had it in hand. Um, yeah, yeah, Austria. Austria did have to claw back a few, quite a few sets, I think, if memory yeah. serves. Um, like Northern Ireland played really well, saw it out, and uh, yeah, it was a good game, good preface to the final in the end. Uh, Absolutely, we were definitely saying at the time, could this be a final, you know, finals match again? But because yeah. um, that was a repeat, I think the twenty nineteen. Sorry, correct me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Twenty nineteen final mix finals was Northern Ireland yeah. Austria as well. Yeah, yep, it was. So, Sorry, so correct you. Yeah. I was a referee for it. Oh, I'm sorry. So I asked sorry because she's the one that's done all these articles about it. No, that's so. fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Cool, cool, cool. I, I, I remember this. That's. I mean, that group is just bad luck because, like, 
any other year, your first and second place from 2019, you wouldn't expect them to be in the same group, but it's just because Northern Ireland has come so far so fast that their seeding can really reflect it, I don't think, as far as memory serves. And then there was all the kerfuffles. Yeah, that's, that, that's why. It, it'll, it'll reflect a lot better after this year. Um, yeah. Haven't looked at the uh, rankings. Yeah, but Northern, yeah Northern, Ireland, Northern, Ireland one, were, Northern Ireland were fourth, I think. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's just rough luck for everyone else because realistically that's one and two, not, not uh, one and four. Yeah, cause Scotland, and Scotland, and were th- Scotland were third. So yeah. it was Austria, Austria one, England two, Scotland three, Northern Ireland four. Um, which yeah. meant Northern Ireland third to Paul C. But I think Northern Ireland had a thing or two to say about that after this uh, this Euros because they've definitely moved mm. up in the rankings after the, the results. So yeah, hell, hell yeah, hell yeah, they did. Um, really good job. But anyway, any other game? Um, what was it like for you, Zoe, in uh, the, the Swiss Belgium game? So that looked like a really close one. What like what were your memories of it? The Swiss Belgium one was really interesting because I think we were quite wary going into that match that it wasn't the same Belgium team that we'd seen before. Um, the starters, they spoke French, or at least half of them did, which was not the case in 2019. It was a Flemish team in 2019. So we were pretty sure it wasn't the same people. Um, so we kind of went into it a bit blind. Um, but it's always it's always nice to like talk to another Francophone team. Um, I think that's something that there aren't that many teams that can really say that they, they share a language. The Francophone teams, the French, the Swiss, and the Belgians, we're all very lucky that we can actually talk to each other in our language. Um, so that's quite a nice element. The actual playing itself was was fantastic. It was a really, really evenly matched game, which was surprising uh, for us. I think we expected it to be a little bit less even, um, but it was just yeah. The they played really like a really cohesive game. They had a very tight knit team that seems to be operating a lot smoother than you would expect for a new squad. Um, and so it just sort of felt like they had each other's backs. They were very aggressive, and and we can really. We couldn't really answer it a lot of the time, and then, then we did answer it sometimes. And it sort of went back and forth, back and forth between which teams seemed to be having a better individual frame. Every frame was close, and the whole game came down to a set. It's so the definition of a close match. But massive kudos to Belgium. I, um, I was amazed by how much they'd come on to I think that's, that's something to, to look forward to, just see how they, they progress in the next two years. I don't know what their league structure is like. I don't know if they play ever against some of the French teams. Uh, there must be some French clubs nearby. But, um, yeah, but I think if they don't, then they should. Uh, if they do, then then that would explain a little bit of what we saw because it was, it was really surprising you know, in the best way possible. Yeah, so I probably re- would be happy about it if we'd lost. Yeah, yeah, fair. I, the, the reason I ask is because uh, we didn't talk about Belgium much on that last episode and I just wanted to, like, because unfortunately I wasn't able to see much of them either because they seemed to be on courts that were like the other side to Wales mm. which I was mainly following so I wasn't able to see much of them at all and as you're probably aware um, there's been so many good games during Euros is that um, we I mean personally I was watching games like all the way up to the lead up to sitting here now so this whole afternoon I've been watching games as well um, and I just haven't been able to sit down and watch any of the Belgian games but when I did look over and was able to see they were playing good dodgeball from what I can tell they were making smart decisions, they were playing playing well so you know, I want to give a shout out to them and say you know, they're on the right track and um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see them keep going because uh, they've, they've definitely had some really good results here I think I mean maybe mm. not on the, the, the winning side but definitely like some really close games and really you know, showed what they're made of um, yeah. which is good to see and from 
from a technical side, um, something that I think was very interesting for us Swiss players was seeing that they had different languages. You know, they weren't all they weren't all French, uh, Francophone Belgians. They, there were some Flemish players within that. So I think their team language is English. Um, but this is something that obviously we don't have to deal with in the UK. All of the home nations speak English, but it is something that Switzerland is going to have to grapple with in the next few years um, if we're trying to expand into. Like the Swiss team at the moment is francophone with the western side of Switzerland. If we keep mm. growing, the hope would be eventually that we we grow into the whole of Switzerland and touch on the 70% of the country that is Germanic. We don't speak Swiss German. So it's quite worrying for us this kind of concept of what's the team going to look like in a few years? How do you actually do that? How do you have a team that doesn't all speak the same native language? And how do you balance that as far as your team dynamic? Does it make it worse? Um, and looking at Belgium and seeing a team that was actually functioning incredibly smoothly and operating as a very good team was really nice to see. It wasn't, you know, split 50-50 down the middle with one team doing Flemish tactics and the other team doing, you know, French tactics. It was operating in one style, um, which which is just very comforting to see as a, a multilingual country. I don't think there are many countries within the current European nations that will worry about that but it is something that there are other european nations that will be worried about in the future so that's that's a really good sign and that's that's something to take a lot of comfort from and to kind of learn lessons from I think, belgium yeah, that's no, such an intriguing issue to come across mm. like because i i would obviously like never even think about that being a potential blocker but that that's actually really fascinating do you not do you not call in irish <laughs> <laughs> I know they used to. They don't anymore. But I'm pretty sure, like the like the Welsh chant is in in Welsh. I think like when they yeah. do, you, do you understand it as their social media executive? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> I was there doing them Stay a favour. Okay? <laughs> the Welsh uh, are talking about doing their calls in Welsh in the future. There are some I places think they, they used to do a bit of it. Yeah, they used to do a bit of it a few years ago. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, nah, nah it's, cool. it's an inter interesting thought. I've never really, because I know in in England we definitely have like the how do we make our call system different to other people's call system and different to England's call system, um, just so that if we do say something on call that another team hears that they don't necessarily understand it or whatever. But um, it is, yeah, it is, it is an interesting I mean, one. There's another point on that. So, like I said, like there aren't that many teams that speak French at the. Uh euros but there are two mm. and so that's something we have to think about as the swiss team going into the event because there are two teams that will understand our calling system so we actually have a subtle like backup plan for when we play against french teams we, we change our calling system so it's harder to read it changes it can change i don't think we actually used it at euros because it's too loud but we can change our calling system mid-game in case the french side has understood and has caught on to what we're doing. Um, and so that's, that's just something that like we came up with because we're very wary of the two microphone teams. Um, I, I don't think any English that. team have ever done that. That's incredible. I rate that so highly. <laughs> that, that, that is good. I feel like then, by that logic, like it would be cool if like Italy then defaulted to just like doing all their calling in Latin. <laughs> it's like, no one else listened to this. Why? It's all good. I've definitely heard a story of somebody doing something like that at their club, like picking really? some random language that's never used. Hey, right, we're back. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, after some technical difficulties, we're back on we're back on track now. So on to the knockout stages uh, again. Hopefully, I've got the scores right on this one. Um, some close games in this one uh, in the mixed in the quarterfinals, um, especially that Scotland Austria game. That was what a game. Um, I would have loved to watch so much more of these. I honestly wish I'd gone back and seen. All oh, I I would love to have seen the three quarterfinals outside of the England French one. Um no offense to France because I think you played out of your mind, but um England showed quality in that game. But the other three, I don't think there was a time oh, where you could have called the winner at any point during the game. Hmm. <laughs> like there were some great stuff. Like you said, Scotland Austria, brilliant game, but that Northern Ireland Italy game, I genuinely thought Italy were gonna come out the the victors in that. Um which is it's surprising considering um the group how the group stage went, but it really showed that they just kept raising the game as as the days went on. Um incredible game that I definitely recommend people watch. Yeah, definitely. Um the Scot the Scotland Austria one was like it was a re- really well played by Scotland. Um and just I think it was just the Austrian class that sort of shot them through on it. I mean, um Stefan like Stefan, I'm going to be a horrible pronouncing surname. Stefan Leitinger, his uh, yeah. his Good. game manage his game management was incredible. Like oh, fantastic! That just... that like you 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 teach that to people. Yeah, well, sorry, you can't teach that to people. That's a pure brains, like yeah, like if you yeah, he he's shone in the mix especially. Um, like if you if you go and watch the the Austrians play mix, like there especially in that England game later, but um. If you if you want an example of how to game manage, in my opinion, that's that's your person to watch. Like I'm gonna be end up talking about him a lot because honestly, he just did so many great things uh, for Austria. Uh, and, and boy, fan boy, boy, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's you know, arguably saw them to a lot of wins because of that. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, his brother's not half bad too, to be fair. Uh, when he came <laughs> on, <laughs> um, so I think like in the in the England game, the first thing he does is he walks on and he takes a catch like centre court, and I'm like, okay, all right, this is impressive. Um, like, oh hello, yeah, it, <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, my kind of dodgeball. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, uh, that Scot that Scotland game, honestly, Scotland were they also wanted to play that sort of slow. Well, not that Austria wanted to play a slow game, but. Scotland were definitely playing a better ball retention game. They were they definitely learned their lesson. Um, they were not going up and countering as much. They were holding back and going up as a three and throwing in that uh, in that way. And they were getting hits from it. Like this, this yeah. the Scottish guys we were doing really well. Um, but then you know Austria just shone through because they, they've got talent around the board there. So that, that's why they did so well. Um, but yeah, that it, great game to go rewatch. I, um, I, I actually think that was probably scotland's best game as a mixed team as well in terms of i just i just think they got you know slightly outplayed um but I, if, if in terms of like how how they played and what they'd be looking to take in excuse me to the next euros they need to look back at that austria game and go let's do this but more consistently yeah no definitely um the other quarterfinals games, I wish I'd rewatched the Northern Ireland Italy game. Um, it's not one I ended up rewatching. 
I will be watching it after this. It'll, it'll, be, that. it'll, it'll be on the next favorite games YouTube list. That yes. it'll, it'll be in the next year. <laughs> uh, yeah, at some point. I, I know I said, uh, or we said after in the last podcast, that we'll come up with a, a playlist for people to watch. But we'll uh, we'll definitely do that after this one. Um, you were meant to save me time and having to actually look up matches myself to watch, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's too many good ones. I mean... Yeah, there is as, honest, as honestly i think i think mix this year really showed what it's meant to be all about um yeah. I, there's so many incredible games that happened and so many games where the scorelines don't do justice to how well both teams played as well um especially a mix compared to men and women's like i th- i think it, this year was a real staple as to what the division's all about hmm. I, it was interesting because of the way that the quarterfinals felt meant that we were going to get a different fourth place to before because of that Sweden Netherlands game, um, and to be fair, Sweden played really well and deserve deserve that. It's again good game to watch. Um, both like similar ish styles in in playing, I'd say. Um, I think that's fair. Like it's neither conservative nor all out aggression. It's somewhere in the middle, trying to take their chances when they can. Um, I think Netherlands were more the catch heavy team, and Sweden were more the. Uh, the, like sort of pushing on and trying to hit through the catches at times um but yeah that's about all i have to say on that one really because it was just a lot of these games it's they were a bit back and forth and you like there's no real massive takeaways over then just go watch it because um i definitely found these in a lot of games don't like you guys but it's hard not to just like start getting nervous and like antsy watching watching it and going like oh this is a really good game like who knows what's going to happen and then forget oh actually i'm trying to like keep an eye on the tactics and what was going on there like because <laughs> you oh, just yeah, get far just too enjoyed it right yeah you just get I, far don't, too I, in the game. I don't know how any like pundits on tv and stuff do it because you just end up just enjoying what you're watching right like it's it, honestly some incredible games to watch over the weekend um and the semi and moving on to the semi-finals that austria england game unbelievable like that's some spicy stuff <laughs> yeah that was a that was a great mixed game. If I remember correctly, uh, Austria. Oh yeah, it was another one where Austria had done enough in the last sets. Yeah. The men that England couldn't come back. Um, the survivability of Austria in that game was perfection for a lot of the sets. They they made they made England work for every single set because there was a quite a few sets that England won where it was like five v one or two. And the Austrians throughout that time just kept grinding it out. That that's how you that's how you win dodgeball matches. Like it's it's playing yeah. at the time whenever it's needed. Um, textbook, think, absolute textbook. Yeah, watching back the Austrian matches in all three categories, it's very clear that they always just seem to have too many players on court. Like they they just somehow have all the players there. They don't go out. And it's because they're playing this this very intelligent game where they don't take they do take risks but they take very specific risks, um, and I, I think it's it's very controlled like we've said before and it's very yeah they they go up and they do some fantastic stuff it's very exciting dodgeballs to watch but they are selective in their risks I think um, and yeah, that's, that's why what... you end up with these situations constantly in a match against England where you've got you know either it's in the last minute you've got five Austrians versus one English player. Or you've got three against three. It's never five English against one Austrian. It never seems to go that way. Yeah. The only way I'm ever able to describe it 
and nobody ever fully understands but like if i was to like tell people how to describe it i'd be like go watch austrians play it's smart aggression it's really mm-hmm. smart aggression they know when to pick certain players off they're always looking for opportunities to take out their best players they're mm-hmm. always fully aware of everything on court from where the balls are how many balls they have to who's probably going to be the next person that'll be vulnerable it's so smart honestly it it it's impossible to try and teach any of that. It's pure experience. It's fantastic to watch. There was a great, great example of that in for the mix where the Austrians were had two players left. It was Stefan, uh, one of the Austrian ladies, and then uh, Hems on the English side. Hems comes up, throws, and then Stefan comes up, counters immediately, like full power, throws it like about ten centimeters in front of foot. There's no way she's catching that. There's no, like, all she yeah. can do is dodge to get out of the way. And there's a ball gone. Right. It's on you again to throw. Like, just yeah. really, really well. And it was just the power he was able to do it at that specific spot was just, honestly, it was great to, great to watch. Um, I, in general, like, in, in that game, it was it was an interesting one. I didn't feel like England really put pressure on Austria on the, on the wings at all. Like, I feel like Austria were able to play that more, you know, that. Uh, strategic game because they were able to go up and put that pressure at court and then come back and then just say hey right we're gonna you know with the three of us we're gonna throw a single ball now and go up and do what we want and it wasn't until the second half where a few subs were made that I think that um, England really like started putting Austria under a bit more pressure and then you started to Mm -hmm. see the sets come back to England's way because I think Austria were like eight four up at half time or something like that I can't really remember Um, yeah it was so something around like around two sets but it was like England, like Austria did really well to to counter that and then like play down the time. But I think yeah, if England had been a bit more aggressive on the wings maybe and force those two balls and force it out of Austria and force play uh, Austria into playing a way that they didn't want to, I think maybe England could have seen a bit more thing like that. And another thing I think we so we commented when we were there and I don't know if it was just in this game or, or whatever, but England in general seemed to be really good at pinpoint accuracy on two ball throws almost to the detriment to the point of the fact that like two balls hit almost exactly the same place on the same player if that player makes one move that's two balls missed and i'm I'm not sure if it was you know something northern ireland and austria did on purpose or whatever but the grouping on the balls were a bit more spaced just at the same time but timing was still good but like the placing was slightly different and the tracking was a lot better i felt um it might have been because i know we've talked about england's dodging previously but it might have been that England were doing big dodges slightly before the release of the ball for the Austrians, so they were easier to, to target, and Austria and Northern Ireland just better timing at dodging. I don't know if it, that played into it, or just the way that England play, uh, throw their balls compared to Austria and Northern Ireland. But there was definitely a bit of that. There were times where it was just like really great throws by England, just in the same place, and it was just one move. And it looked like a really good jo- dodge, but really they only had to move one way, and then they were out of the way. Yeah. I think, I think you're downplaying, like, how good it is from the dodging side of things because the the only time that that ever happened was against probably the two best dodging nations about in austria northern ireland um like i was talking about earlier on like they're brought up on making those big movements at the very last second i think northern ireland are incredible at it and i think a lot of the austrians are too um tracking you could you could probably argue was was a, a bit of an issue um Whenever you're throwing like as hard as you are to stop them from catching, because they're also incredible catchers across the board, um, tracking at the very last second 
is is a very difficult thing to do mm. um I, I don't know if northern ireland and austria were slightly better at it compared to england maybe they were I, you could argue it but I, I i do think that it's the the level of dodging and the timing of dodging more importantly that um seeing the likes of austria and northern ireland make it so far in the competition i do think though the the pairing has quite a strong impact on maybe younger less experienced teams that are particularly um strong at catching so the, the, the best example of this is france if you're the french team going up against england and you're the french girls you know that you can and so you're going to go for that catch but because the two balls are in exactly the same point you are going to get hit every single time you can't catch both of them um double catches are super super rare so you know, every time you go down for it, you get hit out. And so it works very well against those teams where they're good catchers, but they haven't quite got to the point yet where they're very selective in their catches, which is the difference between someone like France and Austria. Austria are very good at catching, their women especially, but they're selective. They they pick out very specific balls to go for the catch, and most of the time they'll go for a dodge instead. Um, very good point. So I think, yeah, it has a strong impact on certain teams and it doesn't on others, and I think... That's the the difference is that England don't tend to want to change their tactics based on who's in front of them. They want to control the game and make it their style, which is fair enough. There's some good reasons to do that. But the downside of that is you will have instances where tactics will work incredibly well against one team and not at all against the next. And if you're not adjusting to it, you kind of just have to live with that, that you were so stubborn and your style didn't match up with who you were against that you kind of dug your own grave there. Mm, yeah. It, it was a it was a really good game. I mean, from the score, only being ten twelve, you can see it was a low scoring game. It was a it was a nail biter, um, and I know Austria did pull away at the end to to seal it off. But again, just <laughs> like it's a theme in all of them, right? Is that the semi finals were great to watch, the finals were great to watch, and there were also games all the way down that were great to watch. And this is just another one of those examples of just. Uh, if if you're wondering why we're sort of lost of words at times, you should probably go watch it and th then you'll understand because it was just one of those things like being in the crowd and just watching it, it was, you know, I, I was sat with some of the Welsh lot and sometimes it's like, so why are like, you know, from analytical point of why are these guys doing better? And you just have to sit there and say, I don't know, it's just great dodgeball. Like, <laughs> and, you know, it's got analytical mind coming in there. It's just, uh, it's just great to watch. Um, but yeah, uh, and then you know Northern Ireland on the other side seemed to get past uh, Sweden to get into the to the final, and then we have the Northern Ireland Austria final. Which so we talked about the Austrian England final last time. The other thing to like say we all knew this going into the final day was that there was the lovely, lovely opportunity that all so of Northern Ireland, Austria, and England, all three of them were in two finals. Um, which meant that there could have been a scenario where everyone takes home uh, a gold, a silver, and a bronze. Um, we'll get on to what the actual results were. but So this was really interesting because we knew Northern Ireland didn't make it into the women's, but they were in both the women's, uh, the mixed and the men's finals. And in this one, they were playing Austria. This was Austria after claiming gold the, um, uh, like in the match before this. Uh, this was Austria's chance to, to claim double gold um, against Northern Ireland who they beat last time in the finals in 2019. But yeah. a really good game, this one. Um, I'm gonna keep, I might as well just put on a record player, get soundboard out. Next description of the game. Really good game. Um, go watch it. Go watch it. Go, go watch it. Go watch it. Subscribe to Netherlands Dodgeball. Uh, like, 
um, and all that jazz. But yeah, my my summary was this is such a fast paced game. Like watching it, um, like in- Northern Ireland didn't want to let Austria get out of the blocks at all, yeah. and then made it a very uncomfortable game for Austria. Like and fair play to them. Like I I wasn't expecting to play the kind of style that they did, especially whenever you look at their men and women's, they don't really play that. They try to play that kind of style um, that often, um, but they did against Austria and it bloody works. <laughs> it was, and the scenes were incredible. Yeah. It was, um, it was one of those where, like when I say it was quick, it was like the starts of the set were quick. Like there was yeah. very, not very long time period for there being six players on each side of the court. I'm, pre- it, I'm pretty sure Austria even stopped running for the middle ball if they, I'm, yeah, I'm, like they just let Northern Ireland have that have that ball at the start. Um, they were and so quick, pin them off. Um, I might, I might be wrong with center? that. I think but, it was Murphy running center. Yeah, wasn't it? and he's just oh, oh he's, honestly, he's a hero, man. Like love I love guy watching well. him play. <laughs> he's so good. Yeah. He's so annoying to play against. <laughs> um, I'm glad I didn't have to do it this time. I'll be honest. Um, Adam Adam Hill had an incredible game as well. Um, he had an incredible tournament all around. Um, he he just for me was just perfect. Pretty much every game he played. Um, uh, Shannon Shannon Smith, I believe his surname is. I might have got that wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, stepped up so many times and i'm pretty sure she made like two big catches um to turn sets around um that popped into my head um and just for, from everybody in northern ireland their throwing accuracy throughout the tournament but especially in the game against austria was just so good i yeah i couldn't fault northern ireland for for anything and austria tried to to claw their way back into the game and they just wouldn't let them would not let them breathe properly. It was, it was such a good game to watch. I think for me, the temptation looking at that final before it started, looking at the fact that it was Austria versus Northern Ireland, was trying to sort of look at it and go, okay, how are the Northern Irish women going to do? And how are the Austrian men going to do? Because their counterparts are in their respective finals. So the Northern Irish mm-hmm. men are in the men's finals, the, the Austrian women are in the women's finals. But the Austrian men didn't qualify for their finals and the Northern Irish women didn't. So if you're trying to like identify a weak link, as it were, then that's your kind of first thought is like, oh, what's what's respectively made them weaker than the equivalent players on the other side? And it really didn't feel like the Northern Irish women were any weaker than their Austrian women. Those the, the women that were in the mixed squads felt very, very evenly matched in a way that they didn't yeah. in the women's league. Um and I think that was just, yeah, when you say like Chandler Smith was incredible in that match, like absolutely phenomenal. Um, I didn't feel like Northern Ireland was amazing to me when I was playing against them in the, the women's, but looking at them in the mix, I was terrified of those women. I thought they were phenomenal players. Um, so it's just really interesting to me the, the fact that obviously it does come down to the fact that it's not the same six players on court because three of them are men, but it's also not the same tactics and some players do just benefit from from the mixed style there are people who are better at mixed than they are at their uh, respective gendered sports and i do think those those northern irish women just absolutely thrived they they were fantastic in that mixed lineup and uh, yeah i think that that's clearly their their format works very well in mixed um in in a way that you'd hope eventually you know soon very soon i'm sure the northern irish women will 
will be up there in that final as well. But it mixed their specific skills in those women players were just fantastic for Northern Ireland. Yeah, I, I it was one of those games where as I was watching it, like if I had to try and pick out what were Northern Ireland doing better than Austria, and we were talking about Austria playing that like low risk type game, right? When they were going into this, there was a lot of aggressive counters from both sides. But what Northern Ireland were doing well, which made the difference in my opinion, was when they were retreating back, they were quite often actually standing their ground and taking the throw. And usually that's not the wise thing to do because you're in sort of no man's land, you're going to get hit. But Northern Ireland, like Austria were then reacting, they were jump dodging most of the time to get out of the way. And Northern Ireland were hitting shins and ankles every time they were jump dodging. And like, that was the difference. Like, if the difference comes down to if someone's going to do a jump dodge and you're still hitting ankles, like that is really brave throwing because the way you're aiming is right where a player could take a catch at the front of the court. Um, mm -hmm. But it was the acknowledgement of they haven't thrown their ball yet and they're not going to drop it but with the way that they're running. So they're going to jump and just absolutely leathering at them and getting the hits. It was it was incredible. And that was, to me, the main difference in, in the way that, especially in the first half, Northern Ireland were able to creep ahead. Austria definitely brought it back in the second half, but Northern Ireland in the first half were just so good at that thing like just just getting the hits it was yeah really great to watch oh it was it was brilliant uh, absolutely brilliant and congratulations to them they definitely deserved it yep the first gold for them at any european championships oh so. honestly seeing how happy they all were just oh, it, it warms your heart doesn't it like it was it was so nice to see and and well it deserved. really was really well deserved. Abs absolutely um i can i'm confidently say that they were definitely the deserving winners not just in the final but from the overall tournament mm -hmm. yeah no de definitely they, they were really good but let's go on to the final placings for uh mix then so let's see if i've done this right hey final placing so northern ireland take the gold medal austria take the silver with england with the bronze uh sweden obviously making it into the, the fourth uh place after their uh, semi-final loss to northern ireland um, and losing to England in the third fourth playoff. But the first thing I'm going to jump in straight away is that Italy-France fifth-sixth playoff game. What a game that was. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, in many ways, like, as good, if not better, than the final. Like, it was such a... I, it was one of those games where I didn't actually mean to end up watching it. I was trying to watch the Welsh game over the top of it. And I just end up being sat in between the, the Italians and the French watching this game right in front of me. And I was like, hold up, what's the score? Oh my days. And it was like, it was a back and forth game, especially that second half. Like, France clawed it back and took a lead. And then Italy clawed it back and took a lead. And it just went back and forth, back and forth. And I think the final set, if I remember, it was decided by... Uh, by by an overtime, I think. Um, I no, can't was I don't think so. It was. It was. 14, it felt really close. Uh, fourteen. I want to say fourteen. So Italy, yeah. Yeah, it was fourteen ten. So Italy did claw away in that final set, but I think it came down to that final set for. France yeah, it was, it, was it was twelve. It was twelve ten going into that last set. I'm pretty sure. But honestly, like, what a game to watch! And also, shout out to the Italian and French fans because sitting in between those two, uh, I know sitting in between a France Italian game in general is. Uh, a good time but sitting in between them for dodgeball was honestly amazing uh really great as, as we're all aware um zoe's the number one french fan um for dodgeball <laughs> yeah so uh she's very she's very grateful that uh they had a hell of a showing hell of a showing 
Um, I do find it very funny that from a supporting side, the French chant is obviously ending in of which is go blues. And they seem to chant this regardless of whether the opposition were also wearing blue shirts. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's slightly different though when it's like Forza Azuri, right? Which is like, because Azuri itself is color, isn't it? I don't speak Italian. Oh, neither, neither do I. But I think it's a, I think it's like a, a different shade of blue. I could be wrong. Please, Italians, call me out. Um, but that's my understanding of it. But um, blue dabba dee dabba da. Gets out. <laughs> Um, God, we're gonna, we're gonna, at this at this rate, we're going to have to have a catching out playlist of just all the songs that, uh, that we would have on. But um, yeah, and also the Le, Le Marcier was being sung quite a lot as well, which was it was just great. Yeah. Like the support there was fantastic for both teams, and it was such like a nervy game to watch. Like it fairly frequently came down to just like two women on either side like battling it out. And it was just such an incredible game to watch because, like, like we said on the last one, you know, Italy women didn't get to play French women in the in the women's league, um, but in this match they were basically playing each other for this match because the men just decided, you know what, let's just take each other out, let's do trades, and then the women were fighting oh, it out for the end. And it was incredible because they have a similar-ish style of play, right? The Italians were really good mm-hmm. catchers. They were a bit quicker around the court in, and being really aggressive, but the French were even better catchers um, and, you know, very nimble and very um, light on their feet around the court. So it was just, yeah, great, great yeah, game to watch. Two incredibly similar teams when you think about it because the French men in the mixed team are, you know, a little bit older, a little bit more experienced players. And then they've got mostly a bunch of the young players from their women's team because a lot of their women's team are very young. Italy have the same thing. They had a lot of very young girls in their, young women in their team. So you end up with a situation where you've got the experienced men taking out the experienced men and then just incredibly light, great catching women playing against each other. It's it's just a mirror match. It's the exact same team playing against each other. They even have similar flags, for God's sake. Like, it's the same team. Yeah, it was honestly just... Yeah, it was... I mean, we'll, we'll see what um, uh, Mini's... Is it Matteo? Matteo Mini? Uh, his, uh... Oh, Matteo, the nicest man in dodgeball. <laughs> uh, oh, so there God. you go, little oh, award man. for you. Um, <laughs> the Yeah, um, he's got an interview, I believe, uh, with Sergio and the uh, the dodgeball podcast. So we'll see what you know his experience was and if any of that comes up. But, um, you know, he, he played blinder um, of a game as well. Really... Um, good leadership at times as well, making sure that there weren't uh, loose heads going around. It was, it, it was, it was one of those games where it could have gone either way, um, based on you know emotions of the teams and how well they were really feeling. Like the momentum was sw- swapping all the time. Like heads went down, other people were like jumping for joy. It was, you know, if you if you the real definition of a roller coaster of emotions. Whereas I think the other finals were just like they were tense all the way through. This one was like. Mm-hmm. If you had a side to pick, you were like either on a high or you were like at the at, at the low, and it just kept flitting from one to the other. It was I feel like you're still freaking out over it. <laughs> I I had just a little bit. It was I can uh, hear your heart racing from here. Yeah, it was honestly it was yeah yeah it was funny. I could I could fangirl about that match in particular. If if there wasn't uh, a most valuable match like award, I would give it to that match for the Euros. That would be my match of the tournament, like to watch. Yeah, there you go. Not yeah, an MVP that's... for a match. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, other games that were were good in the the knockouts because there there were quite a lot, and I don't I don't want to like forget about them just because they they were in different placings. But um, honestly, Zoe, your game against Spain, um, not only did we get a shout out um, from, on the on the on the live stream, so that oh, was pretty Greg, awesome. What a hero! What a legend! Um, but also like on on a you know fr- a friendly point, you like catching masterclass at times like your second half performance just taking catch after catch greg was damn right he says oh i can't really say catching out because you were just making catches and not going out because you weren't getting hit catching not out yep catching not out so um <laughs> just he playing really well hard, bless him yeah but you, honestly, i've never, that I've game... never seen a commentator beg for somebody to get hit so badly in their <laughs> life. it was yeah but yeah, really, really great game to watch. Um, Spain, like, to talk about them for a second, they uh, really came out, like, with a really aggressive play style. Um, and they were, you know, uh, Iceman didn't catch his first name in the end, but um, he played really well. He was, you know, good aggressive up the court, making some good catches at times as well. Just the Spanish team in general, they, they really, really played well and, and shone through. And not the Swiss didn't play well, just, you know, another very I competitive think, game. Yeah. I think about that match. I've thought about it quite a lot since uh, since we played it because it was such a close match, um, and it shouldn't have been based on that first half. But basically, Spain just just came out swinging. And for us, you know, it's the last match of the day. It's the last thing that you have to do. And I don't know. You're tired. You sort of don't have. You know, if we'd come across them maybe earlier in the tournament, maybe we would have come out stronger and and you know more aggressive. But at that point, it's an eleventh and twelfth place match. I think a lot of people struggle mentally to actually like engage with that match and and come out aggressive. But Spain didn't. Spain just just went for it and destroyed us in the first half. Went up ten nil, and then we got the last ninety second set. So it was ten two off half time, I think. Um, and then yeah, we managed to to turn things around. I think the the thing for that there were two things I really thought about it. Um, the first thing is just the power of catching as a thing in dodgeball. We talk about it a lot as the fact that it is the most valuable thing you can do as far as a single thing, you know, hitting someone out that is worth minus one on their side. But catching is a minus one on their side and a plus one on your side. So it is the most valuable. But we also don't really talk about the mental impact of it. It's great, you know, hitting a lot of people out on the other side, but a catch is something, you know, you immediately have someone running in and it creates this immediate noticeable burst of energy. And I think for Switzerland, for us, like the fact it wasn't just me, other catches were made. And like we we suddenly started to pick up a bit more energy as a result of that. And we were like, okay, we can get in this. We can get back into it because we're now getting players back in. And it creates that energy immediately. Um, so I think catching, I love catching. I think it's a great thing in the sport. But I think the mental side of catching um, can't really be, be understated in a match like that where you're actually having to create energy from going so far down so quickly the second thing i want to say though is spain my god that's completely different spanish team than i thought like the same players but the way that they played was so different to how they played in paris when i played against them in paris before i eliminated it was the spanish national team and it was the mixed team so i felt this is the only team i felt like i knew going into euros 100 percent what they looked like and how they played but the Spanish team, the way they played in Paris, was they had very strong men, and their women essentially felt like shrinking violets. They were on court, but they weren't really playing, and it didn't feel as if their men were encouraging them to play, and they felt like very, very weak links, which is 
harsh to say, and the only reason that I'm publicly saying this is because the way that those same women played in Euros was completely different. It was incredible. They were part of the team. They were engaged in the team. And frequently, they were the ones who were pulling things back. They were supporting, you know, Iceman would go up and throw a ball. But it was a girl who was there to defend him on his run back. And it's it's things like that where I think we can sometimes assume that women are going to be the weak links in, in mixed dodgeball. And critics of mixed dodgeball or, or skeptics, maybe, as far as to say, tend to sort of say, oh, why would a woman want to play this? It, it must be... I would never want to be on the back of a court. I would never want to be part of this team because it's not fun as a woman. And it's like, no, you are part of that, that team. You are a very, very valuable part of that team. You're not lesser than the men on the court. And I think that Spanish team really got that in a way that I wasn't convinced they got it in Paris. But something changed in them in, in the meantime. That was just a machine of a team. Their women were fantastic. And I can't commend the women of that Spanish mixed team enough. They came miles in a very short span of time yeah i think, love that yeah lo- definitely um i think so going on to your catching thing i totally agree uh i think we've I, again i can't you listen to so much dodgeball stuff you don't know if we mentioned it or someone else mentioned it but that feeling of you know when you make a catch it's such an exhilarating feeling like yes i got a catch like i like absolutely on top of the world that you have to give the ball away to someone otherwise you're going to go do something completely stupid because that's what often people do is make a catch at the back of court they run forward and then immediately get caught themselves like it is is such a mental factor so 100 percent agree um yeah colin is very guilty of that um go watch, any, go watch any of the leeds dodge versus manchester b games uh caught him out a few times you mean the, <laughs> you mean the match i didn't play i mean year before mate yeah two two years before it's fine <laughs> your memory goes back so far when it comes to beating you can just tell i live rent free in this man's head that he has to have dreams about this oh, i had you in the back my back pocket the entire match mate it was beautiful anyway we, let's not get distracted by uh nationals but um talking about the spanish um i definitely feel like the spanish squad as well definitely like embody like they are the most like uh like the the, the team or the squad that seem most like a family like a proper unit um, you know, when you saw them in Groningen, they were all together, all having a good time, all kicking back, having like a real good laugh. You didn't really see anyone splintering off. The way that they supported each other at the matches, it was great. Um, and they've just come so far from like, tw- you know, 2019 uh, in Newcastle, where it was a case of, you know, having to explain some of the rules and, you know, doing some of the tactics to putting on a bleeding good performance. And, you know, finishing 11th in, in mixed is pretty damn impressive like three years later to come around they you know they beat switzerland they're above croatia Ireland, and belgium you know they finished dead last last time they've done a really good job of like you know getting on board with dodgeball like playing a load of tactics understanding the game better improving their skills and understanding what it means you know like you say though those fundamental points of like you do worry it mixed in times where people would say oh well okay mixed we just have the women on and the mains go through and then once you know the women are there just to make up the bodies but you know, Spain have really embraced the fact that that's not the fact that Spain, like women have a really important role to play on mixed. And often, you know, like we were talking about in that Northern Ireland, uh, sorry, that Italy-France game, what won games in the end? You know, it was it was, it was was that play style that really, really came through. And Spain know that and um, it really showed. It was really, really good to watch. Um, so yeah, lo- loved that game. Um, and I think the only other game I wanted to point out was uh, the, the Wales-Czechia game. Uh, I think think that one went to overtime because that was a one set win 11 13 absolute heartbreak uh for wales but 
again, really competitive game. I think Czechia brought that one back as well, if I remember. I think Wales were... Uh, oh, yeah, I think Wales were up at half-time and Czechia brought it back. So uh, congratulations uh, to them for, for for taking ninth place. Really, really well-deserved. And again, another game that... Um, if it wasn't on the other side of the sports hall and I had an amazing game of Italy-France in front of me, probably would have paid more attention to. <laughs> um, but yes... Any, 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 any more for any more? I'm going to give a quick shout out to Belgium because even though they came fifteenth, uh, they drew with Ireland in like the little group stage that they had for Croatia and Belgium, and you've got to commend them for that because that must have been a difficult match for them to go into mentally, and they still gave them a hell of a game. And um, finishing fifteenth probably isn't um, justified potentially, um, but yeah, fair play to them showed up and get, did themselves real justice especially considering it, it was a mix where they had like a really close game against Scotland right where it was 16-10 um, yeah. so yeah, it was yeah. So, you know, yeah. Like Def definitely not uh, not justified um, really to, like just to have them in 15th they deserve 15. a shout out for how well they played in some of the games that I've seen yeah they lost 15-9 to Scotland and I think actually uh, a real big shout out for this one is because that Belgium Island game was such a great game to watch that the entire sports hall that was still left um, was watching that game. This was the game that Zoe, I believe, was playing at the same time. So while you had um, us, uh, I was there supporting uh, Switzerland on, doing my bit. Um, it was very difficult to ignore the cheers coming from the other end of the sports yeah. hall because it was. It seemed like you know such a great game, and the smiles on everyone's face, Ireland and Belgium, after that game because they just knew it was a really fun game to play and very competitive. That's what we love to see, that. and um, you know the photos afterwards. There, there'll be memories that uh, people cherish for a long time because that is that you know that's what dodgeball's about. Those kind of games, it's uh, really Absolutely. friendly, really competitive. So yeah, definitely want to definitely want to shout that game out because um, you know definitely uh, was the the main showcase of the sports hall even if uh, every, you know everyone else may have been on the youtube watching uh, the switzerland spain game yeah that's so nick wasn't looking to pay attention to your game he's just looking elsewhere oh, and then whenever wales are playing he's looking to he's looking to look elsewhere you know see i'm, oh, I'm hearing a lot of conflicting reports here nick. I, I i feel like i'm just outing myself here like was i actually <laughs> at, at dodge like the euros to support anyone or was i there for my own self-interest hmm. <laughs> And the dodgeball collection would say other interests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably would. <laughs> um, all right, shall we go on to the men's then? Shall we talk about? Let's do it. Men's league. Okay, cool. Before so talks about the wrong thing. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm more worried that you're going to kill us if we keep you up too late. <laughs> the wrong graphic. There we go. So. Again, men's, we had four pools, uh, and in this uh, in pool A, we had Scotland finishing top with um, six points, Switzerland second, Hungary third, and Netherlands fourth, uh, with Scotland, Switzerland qualifying. Pool B, England, Wales, Sweden, Croatia, England, Wales qualifying. Pool C, Northern Ireland, France, Republic of Ireland, Spain, with Northern Ireland and France qualifying. And then pool D, Austria, Italy, Czech Republic, and Belgium, with Austria and Italy qualifying. Um. Yeah. Thoughts. Pool A. My God. <laughs> what the what hell? Point. What a shock. <laughs> I'm what? biased, but no. I mean, 
from from memory, that Scotland Hungary game was insanely close um, in a way that I don't think anyone expected. I think a lot of people thought Hungary, myself included, thought Hungary were going to come last in that pool, um, yeah. and then they go and nearly beat the people that we think are going to come first in the pool. And everyone, especially the Scots, were shocked and very confused and slightly scared by what they just experienced. Um, not very comforting for the other teams in that group because Switzerland then spent the rest of the time shitting themselves over what was going to happen if they went against Hungary because we're drawn against Netherlands. Um, so if we'd lost against Hungary at that point, we'd have been out of the top two. Um, but no, it was that Hungary just, just massively, on the first day, I think they had just such a good day. Um, and I don't know whether it was just the shock factor and then that wore off on the second day or if it was an energy levels thing. Or if people just, I think, you know, the, the downside to the, the day being, the, the competition being four days is that you do learn other teams over time. So, you know, even something like Hungary doing so well against Scotland, obviously Switzerland and the Netherlands are going to watch that footage. We're going to work out who it was who was doing well and we're going to take them out, which I think was what ended up being part of the difference in the Switzerland-Hungary match. Um, the Switzerland-Scotland match came down to a frame as well, I think, or two frames, something like that. Ridiculously close match. Yeah, 15-13 Scotland. Absurdly close um, in a way that I didn't actually expect. I thought that was going to be quite straightforward, that group. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a very cool group to watch. Um, incredibly stressful group to be supporting a team that's in it, but a very cool group to, to watch. Yeah, the story of Thursday for Switzerland was not fun. The amount of uh, your set different coming out was probably like minus 10. <laughs> from all your games total it's uh heartbreaking but um yeah honestly like that one was like hungry like absolutely came to play from my understanding they only had six players in men's and women's um so i think fatigue probably came in on the second day but after um you know coming out hot and beating netherlands straight out the gate and then um scotland had to fight back i think to to take over hungary because i think hungary were winning at one point i think it was a 10-8 at one point and then scotland finished it off strong but um hungary really played that game well and they were just so aggressive such hard throwing team and scotland just didn't know how to cope with it um it was really well played from hungary and it was great great to see to be honest um so our predictions for that one, as soon as I was sat there on Thursday watching uh, watching Hungary take it to Scotland, I was like, well, who the hell knows what's happening in this group? Because um, at that point, I would have not predicted the final points to be there um, in the top four, especially as uh, Netherlands played so well in mixed and women's. I was expecting the men's to play you know, equally as high. So I was like, honestly, yeah. with Hungary playing like that, I thought Netherlands could beat Switzerland. I thought you know, anything could have happened. I genuinely mm. didn't know what was going to go uh, go from that point. But, you know, fair play to Switzerland, uh, being able to uh, get the uh, win against Hungary and also, you know, get the draw against Switzerland, uh, to, against Netherlands in that game was uh, really, really well played. And to get that qualification into the quarterfinals, congratulations, really, really great result. Um, definitely want to give a shout out there uh, for Switzerland. We'll get on to it later for where they're, where they're finishing, but honestly, really great men's performance by the Swiss. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, any other thoughts on Paul Ager, Colin, or should we go on to a different group? No, I think oh, you yeah. covered everything. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, because in Paul B, Paul B was one that was really fun to watch. Oh, this, this was such a fun watch. Um, Bear in mind, uh, we also... Um, 
got a message from the head coach from the Swedish men who said, don't, don't count, don't count us out. And by God, did we misjudge the, the, the Swedish, uh, on, on this, um, that Wales Sweden game was absolutely fantastic to watch. Yep. I think it was, there was like a one set in it in the end. It was something like 12, 14, 10 or 14, 12, yeah, 14, 12. 14, 12. Yep. Such a good game. Like that was so, I, I, I thought Sweden had it to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I thought the Welsh lads, um, they weren't playing the, the best game management game, um, at any point in my eyes. And it really let the Swedish guys, um, uh, into it. Uh, it was, it was so good to watch. I don't I don't know if you guys, uh, if you got to see it at all. Yeah, I, I was watching it from from afar. It was um, it's tense game to watch from the Welsh perspective. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those ones that like so. Um, I was speaking to Spike, uh, the Welsh head coach, before about like what to expect in the first day and that kind of thing. And his description was is that everyone's really nervy on the first day. You get some really cagey results because everyone just wants to get the solid first result in and then go from there. And this is a prime example because Wales didn't have any time to be nervy. They had to go straight in. And play Sweden, who, at the you know, based on the rankings and stuff, we know that was going to be the playoff of second place essentially for qualification. So essentially, you've got your playoff for the quarterfinals out the gates, and you've got you've really got to you know do as well as you can. Um, and I think it proved. I think Wales were nervy. I think Sweden were a bit more you know, hey, what have we got to lose kind of attitude and they, they, they came out swinging and really, really took it to Wales and it, yeah, cracking game and fair play to Sweden for nearly taking it up, but uh, taking it, but... Not so nearly know. taking it to England as well. Um, yeah, I mean, this 14, whole group, 14, this whole 12. group, like this whole group was nuts because um, Sweden, Sweden, England, Wales, England and Wales, Sweden, all those games were really good to watch because mm-hmm. the Wales, England game, got you know every most people in the wales and england squads they know each other they played against each other in nationals it was a, a pretty feisty game there was a, a lot of contact in the neutral zone uh contesting for balls and stuff they were fully committed both teams um so it was a really good game to watch from that wales did lose out to that one but it was definitely more competitive than the score probably represented i know it was 16-6 in the end but um wales really did put a, put a good shift in in my opinion um, and then, yeah, like we say, the Sweden losing by one set. And that was, the I think, the last game or one of the last games of the group stages on that Friday. And we yeah, were watching, I, think you're, I think you're right. We were watching that and it was one of those like mind-blowing scenarios where we were looking at all the courts and every single court was close because we had, I think it was Austria were playing uh, Italy on the same, on the court in front. And Austria and Italy were like very close all the way through, and then England, England, uh, Sweden were very close all the way through. Um, it was just, yeah, all those all those games were. It was a, like a moment to be in the sports. So it's like, which game do I watch? Because all four of them were like within a set all the way through. Um, it's just mad. It's just mad to think that if one set against England and one set against Wales goes Sweden's way and they finish top of the group. Like yeah. how insane is that? And then for them to finish on two points in that group just doesn't do justice to how well they played. They really gave both um England and Wales a hell of a game and put on a really good show for for the viewers, you know. Um which is what you want to see, you know. You wanna see exciting dodgeball that with tense moments and a proper underdog story and they gave you one. 
I really, really enjoyed watching them. Definitely, I think in all the groups as well. To be honest, like, yeah, 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 it was a really good group stage. Um, not sure what. What did you get to see? Any of the games when you were there? Uh, there or were you ball retrieving or Zoe? Or from Paul B or just in general? Just in just in general, because I I don't know what you were doing, Chris. I I did get to watch quite a lot of the matches. To be fair, um, I wasn't ball retrieving. I was. I was ball retrieving sometimes for the women because I was a reserve player for the women and I played mixed. But already, when you're when you're one of those double players that plays for both your gender and mixed, it does suck up quite a lot of time. Um, but outside of that, I was basically watching any match that had the Swiss men in it, and then I was kind of free to pick whatever matches I wanted to watch beyond that. Um, so I did I did get to catch quite a few of them. Um, I did mainly watch a lot of the Welsh matches, to be honest, because. I know a lot of Welsh people, so I was more invested in those ones. Um, and, and Wales across the board played really, really well in all, all three categories. I think um, their women felt very hard done by. I imagine they're not making it out of the, the groups, but the, the men and, and did the mix make it out? No, it's the men. Men and women got it out of the groups. The mix didn't. That's the way around. They, I remember there was one that didn't. Um, but yeah, just the, the, the they just played so well. Um, across the board and, and their men were fantastic which is quite impressive considering like I don't know I, I've never really seen a lot of those players play together um I think when you look at a team like England then they do a lot of them come from the same clubs um whereas Wales a lot of them don't they they all play in the same league system but you don't see them playing in the same club so it's not as if they're all you know Carmarthen players or something um so it's quite cool to actually see. It's it's very exciting as someone who knows all these players to actually get to see them all team up. It's it's like watching Avengers for the first time. You're like, oh my god, these are all these great players that I know from all these different teams, and they get to, which is how it should be when you look at national teams. That's how it should always feel. But, um, yeah, with Wales especially, it was just so exciting to see all these people that I know from completely different parts of dodgeball uh, coming together and, and playing fantastic dodgeball. I mean, all their matches were great. So, yeah. yeah, they're definitely a team that have like a lot of uh, a lot of players in a lot of not only different teams but different leagues. And then obviously got Dan, who's over mm-hmm. in uh, Austria playing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was it was quite a good one. But yeah, just to just to round up the groups, then I guess um, another game that I thought was really good to watch was uh, Spain France. Uh, Spain kept that close right till the end, and then France pulled it mm-hmm. away. Uh, I think it was sixteen eight the final score. It was like a two set game for the majority of it. Um, Spain really, really put a, a real effort in there and, and kept it close. Um, so that you know. again, you know, compare that to Paris Open. You didn't have the French national team, obviously, you had all the French clubs, but the, the Spanish teams didn't do especially well. They did decently, but you wouldn't have thought they would do well in a match against France, basically. Um, yeah, and they, they did. They they really held their own, and it was very, very good dodgeball. Yeah, and that that is yeah, the sorry, gone. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to move on to Italy-Austria, but if you've got any points about the Spanish game. No, I was, what I was actually going to talk about was I felt the uh, the Irishmen got a bit hard done by in the groups. Um, they had a very good game against against France. Um, I think it was 16-10 in the end. 16-12. Yep. Um, uh, um, yeah, easily. I, I, I felt like they... They were missing the aggression that I I was kind of expected from them, um, but overall they did play very well. Um, I don't know whether it was 
a bit of nerves as that that's the big game for them in that group realistically you know i'd, I'd be expecting northern ireland to beat france ireland and spain um so that was the big game i don't know whether it was a bit of nerves or something but um that they, they showed some some quality quality sets and I, f I felt like um it was probably the mental side of it that stopped them beating france but i, I do think they deserve a shout out for how well they played um across the tournament to be honest mm. i think yeah. as well like france probably it's not completely fair to say but they did somewhat luck out by even getting out of that, that group um i obviously predicted i did predict that they would get out but i think if you'd asked me on the first or second day whether i thought i whether i wanted to change that prediction i think i would have um it wasn't always we said before that the england squad wasn't the same lineup that we always expected mm. but the france side for my for my experience the french men's lineup wasn't actually always what i expected it to be either nor was their next um as far as the men that they put on court mm. uh so i think I think they kind of found their way as the tournament went on, but I actually think, you know, they, they played fantastically, but I think the policy of players that they've got in France, they could have done even better than they did. Uh, and I think there maybe were some tactical decisions that we'd hope to see kind of, well, not tactical, but, but player decisions and lineup decisions that maybe you'd like to see ironed out in future. But um, overall, you know, they made it out. Um, you can't entirely say it comes down to luck. It does no. come down to winning those matches. Um, and I think, you know, they probably probably gave them a bit of a kick up the arse uh, as far as, like, realising they actually need to do something in the, the next few stages. Also, that was the most posh way I've ever said arse. Congratulations, <laughs> oh, one of us. Oh. <laughs> Nick, Nick, you know next I mean? is rubbing oh. off on you. <laughs> I think if you, if, you come, if you come out of the group stages in second place with a set difference of two, and there have been no ties... That is that is saying something about how close those matches were, and saying yeah. as well that they didn't beat, they didn't have strong victories really. So I think you know that that kind of for them must have been a wake up call uh, on Friday night. That, okay, we need to we need to start knuckling down and really fighting for it, which I think they did in their quarterfinals. Francis, Francis' biggest win for the tournament was definitely their kit design. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> kit was incredible. Um, Really love their design. Very sleek. I love it. Ten You're not ten. becoming the kick collector 2.0, right? No, We're no, no. I, now. You know, okay. what, I, I didn't, what I didn't get to see is the French dodgeballs, I'm afraid. So if anyone does have a French dodgeball that they'd like to share to the caption out Instagram, uh, please let us know because uh, if it's as good as the kit, then it should be a good design. But uh, anyway, the last last game that I was going to cover, it was in Pool D. You're right there, Colin. <laughs> so disappointed in you, lad. Oh, the cringe is real, isn't it? Um, Unbelievable. That that Italy Austria game um, in the final, it was not that close in the end. Italy uh, Austria won 18-8. It did feel like a close game. They were watching it, um, and I think it was Austria just steamed the second half, to be honest. Um, but like the first half was definitely pretty close. Um, and the Italy men definitely have a, a result to be proud of there. They just... The, the Italy men are like a consistently re like really good team. And they're, they're mm -hmm. just... You, you can never like just th like forget about because they will cause you problems if you don't take them seriously. And I think that really prepped Austria for the quarters. I think they had... Um, the way that Italy played was just... Was just really well played like really good uh games and uh, really 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 took it to austria i think that was the thing is that italy came out the gates and they were like 
we're going to take the game to Austria. They're going to be as aggressive. They're going to, you know, equal that aggression. And I think Austria just had to had to deal with that to begin with, and then then eke the game out from there, and then go, okay, right, you want to play this type of game? We're going to take it straight back to you, and, uh, and we'll win it out that way. And just kind of got out muscled, but you know, Italy played a really great game and um, should be should be one to watch I think for the future as well is the way that Italy play and uh, hopefully next Euros we'll see yeah, that again and in, and in the same way you got to give a shout out to uh, Czechia because um, I think it was a really tight game in the men's against Italy and um, came down to one set 16-4 or 16-14 I can do math <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it, it it just shows you how tight that group was like I said Italy could pull it out uh, a really good half against Austria, um, and they pulled out a really good game against uh, Czechia. Um, and all, all three of them um, deserve praise very well. They played in the group stage. Austria was just very professional about it all um, in terms of play style, and um, they showed it especially in the second half against Italy. Very, yeah. it was a very good group, very entertaining group to watch. Shout out to Belgium as well because that's that's what hell of a group to be put into. There's no easy games there for you. Yeah, I do agree. And um, it, yeah, it was eighteen sixteen was the final score apparently. But yeah, um, I think that goes to show just like we, we were talking about this before in in terms of the groups and how they were drawn. It was kind of nuts how close you know some of these uh, results came because traditionally, sort of like you expect you know the top teams to do really well and really take it uh, take it to the the bottom teams, and then the mixed teams is you still get like a cascade of like there's a tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four kind of system less very much less so this like this euros in all the competitions in all the groups there was good competition all the way around really good matches some really close ones in the middle of the groups or at the bottom of the groups as well like it wasn't a case of there were just clear-cut winners and clear-cut uh cut like um pulls it was it was you know good competition all around and i think that speaks to the uh like speaks volumes to the level of improvement we've seen from all the teams yeah absolutely completely agree mate but yeah, let's go on to knockouts. The fun stuff. Ta-da. Oh. For your audio listeners, it's now changed to the knockout um <laughs> the knockouts graphics. Well the, the quarterfinal through to the final. Um so the routes that people took to get to the end. Um so yeah, I think like I think favourites won most of the games, and it was a fairly comfortable victory in 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 most of them, apart from that Scotland Wales game. I think we talked about it beforehand that um, we kind of saw that England Austria match coming, um, but the other side we didn't know who would get through to the final from that one. Um, I am going to eat some humble pie because Northern Ireland really uh, showed up. I've yeah, I've done the graphic wrong as well because I've shown Scotland getting through to the final there, and it was Northern Ireland that got through to the final. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, Northern Ireland really showed up and really played really well. So um, fair play to them um, and get it all the way through. Um, Scotland took it to Wales as well. Like I say, Scotland were the most inconsistent team in my opinion. And uh, you know, after a bit of a dicey group, uh, especially against Hungary and stuff, um, they came out firing in the in the quarters. Yeah, they they definitely outplayed Wales in my opinion. Um... Some fantastic. I th- I felt I felt like their their game management was very very good. Um, in terms of their, I, f- I felt like in the group stages they were quite wasteful at times. Whereas they ne- they never gave 
wails the opportunities that they gave other teams in terms of giving away the four, fourth and fifth ball. ball. Um, yeah, deserved winners. Good, good throwing, good catching, good all round play. Um, Wales played well. I think they were. Was was that the game that Liam Ryder was out for? He was With out injury. For a lot, he was out for a lot of games, to be honest. Yeah, like, he was he, the first or second day he injured himself. So yeah, he was not playing in the third or fourth day. I think. Yeah, I, I, I was probably a big loss for Wales. Uh, he's he's a very very good player. Um, does does a lot in court for them. Um, so he he could have made a difference for them for sure. Um, but yeah. Scotland, Scotland play well. Deserve to go through. Yeah, out of the other ones I've, I've just noticed. I think when I was thinking France got their act together, I don't think it was for the course finals. Clearly, twenty-seven-one is quite a rough school line, even against someone like Austria. I think I was thinking of the placement matches, but yeah, um, the twenty-four-four school line between England and Switzerland. Fascinating to be sat in the room with the the Swiss guys on the evening beforehand, where they're basically just sort of staring down their own demise um i don't think any of them went into that match hoping to i don't think they thought they were going to win at all um because i don't think anyone would predict them to that they they won two sets in the first half like really early on and it was really really exciting for everyone because you could just see the faces of the english guys at that moment like that's priceless that's better than any medal if you can if you can just really shock and get under the skin of some of your opponents like that that is a really satisfying feeling in the worst way possible. Yeah, we're all evil people secretly. Um, I think oh, so I like... love you. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the Swiss were just so proud of themselves and rightly so for, for getting those initial few sets against England. I think that's a, a phenomenal achievement, um, even if the final score is quite bad. But yeah, very exciting to watch. Yeah, they, I mean, it, it I was busy watching the Wales Scotland game at the time, but I definitely looked over and I was like, Switzerland won another set, and like, being like, this is this has exceeded my expectation already. Um, I, you know, not surprised England pulled away in the end, but it was good to see like a strong performance in Switzerland uh, coming out and you know holding their own with uh, with England. I and again, like, I agree with what Max said. There was no blowout scores anywhere, especially in the quarterfinals. Like, there's no like ridiculously um, high score lines. Teams held their own and. This is one thing to remember. If you if you're new to dodgeball, you're coming across with this. Like dodgeball is a bit of a it's a bit like tennis in the nested scoring system because yes, you see the final score is like twenty four four, but the other score is how many players are actually left on court. You know what was the set actually like because the final score doesn't reflect the actual match that went by. Like England could have won those twelve sets that um, to get twenty four by winning with two players versus one player. Um, we know we know they didn't but like yeah. that's that that's not reflected in the score itself you don't actually know that um yeah. and and i think that's just something to note is that you know if we were really expecting like an absolute whitewash or something like that you'd see a 30 plus score line on on switzerland and it mm-hmm. really really wasn't it's got you know switzerland held their own uh, uh there and uh, very impressive i think similar similarly like italy against northern ireland northern ireland ended up winning beating everyone else and they did really well uh italy to 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 get uh four sets on them so or four and a half but yeah semi-finals yes um northern ireland kind of well other than a very broken dislocated just disjointed finger for scotland in the semis insert meme <laughs> um yeah um if you yeah just uh, 
Yeah, that was. <laughs> oh, Josh. <laughs> um, I believe it was his own fault, right? Because he landed on his own. He like fell on his own hand. His, I I can't lie. I've watched back that moment two or three times purely for Tomato's reaction. <laughs> yeah, <'cause it> was <laughs> she looks like she's funny. about to throw up on court. <laughs> I remember looking over and just like, wait, what's happened here? <laughs> she just turns right. <laughs> My favourite thing with that whole oh, story so was the photo of Josh Keys that was circulated around afterwards of him in the oh. emergency room, where like he sat there, his finger is like like that, like it's off at completely the wrong angle, and there's like two nurses behind him, like. Like giving a thumbs up, and so when you look at the photo initially, you're like, "Oh, that's a nice photo of Josh and two random women. That's weird." <laughs> and then you look at it a bit longer, and they're like, "Wait, wait, what's what's up with his hat?" <laughs> I, d- oh. I just I just want to say, Josh. Like, okay, Stefan dislocated his finger from what I've heard in the middle of the mixed semi-final, um, oh, and yeah, uh, he popped that, it yeah. back into place and played the rest of the game. So, Josh, what are you playing at? <laughs> Wimp. <laughs> um, obviously, only play to the, the level that you're comfortable at. If you're injured, go off. Obviously, I, I'm taking no. I, that's not where well, I thought you were going with that. I thought you were just saying, you know, to, you know, stick the nationals, mate. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm back at two. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, no. Josh played really well. Like he, he did. Play, he did. He did play very well for Scott. So. Um, of course, I'd never say something like that. Um, but yeah, Northern Ireland uh, winning that one in the end. But the England Austria game, I think the scoreline was very surprising for a lot of people coming to uh, into this. Um, one thing, having re-listened to it, I didn't realize that Austria had never beaten England in the men's. Um, that is one thing. Yeah, either, either did I. <laughs> um, the Probably reason, should have known this. Um, yeah. But yeah, the only reason that England haven't gotten through to the finals is because Northern Ireland have done the job for the, uh, for Austria. So. Um, yeah, this was an interesting one because it wasn't uh, a game that uh, was played last Euros, um, but England won this one pretty comfortably in the end. And I think it was the games didn't feel that comfortable when watching it, but it was definitely a case of just racking up the sets earlier on, just putting the scoreboard, keeping the yeah. scoreboard ticking over. Um, England played a really good game, to be honest. Uh, Tawas did. Good, good stuff on the wing that really kept Austria at bay, in my opinion. Um, it's, not, it's not aggression um, yeah. from him and Brett um, in particular was Austria just really struggled to handle. Um, they were just binning off players left, right and centre um, and surviving themselves. Um, and whenever they tried, whenever Austria tried to take out the middlemen, um, they're taking catches dodging doing everything to survive and they've done really really well Austria just couldn't handle it for a England like that that was a hell of a game they played just what if you if you can stop your opponent getting any momentum in a game with the the kind of aggression they played with then you absolutely deserve the win Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that England did as well was just like uh they were taking every catch pretty much like yeah just just when you think austria sort of have a foothold in the game that they're really sort of t- uh, coming up, uh, into it um like nini made some good catches it was just like the whole team were just making catches like seemingly out of nowhere and it really yeah. like halt like you say halted that austrian aggression because either you've got the wingers that are pinning your back and really holding you from being able to be that aggressive or 
you know, get you know those shots that you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to take this person here or whatever, and then England just catching them out of nowhere, bringing players back on and turning the game back around. Um, really well played by England. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, the final big one. Oh, I don't what think a, what a game. I don't think you're ever going to find a final of an international competition like decided by such a close margin um ever so i i genuinely i genuinely was emotional watching this oh 100 percent. like i'm re-watching it again really hard to stay focused because it was just like heart beating like watching it just like this is so tense the whole way through like so as experience as a spectator like the the times where the sports the whole sports hall was dead silence and all you could hear was like the scuffs of shoes on floors as they were playing and like the the whistle of a ball going past people like you could hear everything it was it was crazy and then like the complete like converse of that is when you know a, a hit go, uh, a hit happens or whatever and just the whole hall erupts it was just yeah it was a really great experience but for for context for our audio listeners the reason why it was so close to what i was saying is a match that went down to the wire England took the lead earlier on, uh, early on, uh, and Northern Ireland clawed it all the way back to the point where um, it went to an overtime set, um, which is a, I believe the rules are three minutes of normal play. If after three minutes um, there isn't a clear winner, then it is sudden death, I believe. Uh, I haven't. Yeah, the next next side next side loses the game. Yes, um, and this three minute overtime set. Um, in the final seconds was two all, I believe. And um, just before the end, there was a throw uh, by Harrison onto the Northern Irish player, who I couldn't remember the name of. He then deflects it up in the air. Harrison immediately realizes that this has gone up into the air. So he jumps up to go and catch the ball to which the guy that deflected it then throws at Harrison to hit him out before the catch is Johnny made. Johnny Hill that's who it was Johnny Hill Was it was it Hill? Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, um, Johnny not Adam. Yeah, yeah, Johnny. Um yeah. Um so that that happened and it was like that instant decision of was the catch made or was the hit made and then the Northern Irish player puts his hand up like I don't know what happened there starts walking off the court as Brett's coming forward to take a counter on him just in case that catch didn't count at which yeah. point the refs intervened and said we need to figure out what just happened there because um by this point the northern irish player had already walked off court um so it was a very very tight one and this was when there was one second left on the clock so no yeah. t- like no finer margin could really happen there so the rest then come together to decide like figure out what happened i think the right decision was made in the end if you watch it back on the on the replay is essentially it was yeah, a agreed. hit before the catch uh, which meant that Northern Ireland had two players on court and England only had one. And in that one second was not enough time for the game to restart. I think I, thro- I think Brett managed to get he, a throw he, off. Yeah, but Cal- Calvin jumped over it and that was that was the, yeah, uh, that was, the end of the game. That was to be fair, fair play to Brett. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You've got to do whatever you can in that scenario. So, <laughs> yeah. honestly, the closest... I don't think we're ever going to see a closer game than that. Um, yeah. No, definitely, definitely not. It was it was incredible, and I was so happy for Northern Ireland. Like they fully deserved it because every every year they just keep getting better and better. 
at like just the overall game tactically tactically they were willing to change up their game to to try and get back into it and it worked perfectly um and a big shout out the three players i thought that everybody in northern ireland played fantastic i'm going to say that but the three players that really stood out for me for northern ireland um were adam hill uh murphy and um kelvin yeah. <laughs> i completely forgot who i missed off the list <laughs> um them three were phenomenal um josh mackerel as well probably deserves a shout out i thought he played very very well um yeah across the board it was just incredible to watch and they they definitely deserved it in the end um at times it felt like england probably didn't turn on the pressure like they did against previous opponents um, especially in the austria game um they didn't take chances where they usually would have uh in a few of the sets um but northern ireland just kept playing their game and it, it it worked and oh my god i was so happy they won it i really was yeah i think the yeah no, there's nothing really more i can say on the match i think it was just such a fantastically close match it's what you want in a final like this you want the match to be close because that shows that your your system has worked your seeding has worked you've got two of the the best nations playing against each other uh, and they're evenly matched which is really good sign for the sport and the growth of the sport but from an audience perspective my god that that final the feeling in the crowd i think nick you said it before in, in our chats that like it felt like we were at a proper quote unquote you know sporting event this this felt like going to any sporting event really you know when i've gone to watch the football when i've gone to watch rugby it's that kind of energy that you get in the audience where everyone is super engaged and is you know cheering for anything that happens basically or you know, everything every single part of it was so so exciting every hit counted so much that it was just it was incredible and that's that crowd energy i mean the crowd energy was very good in the other two finals but it was off the charts in that final one because you had everyone was back it's the last final so everyone's back in the crowd and everyone's like watching that and, and really just sort of you know you've, you've had that build up of the other two finals and now you get this fantastically close match i mean it doesn't it doesn't get better than that it's such a, a great way of ending euros um, such a wonderful match my only criticism of it is that it ruined my perfect prediction. I predicted everything else in men's. <laughs> and then it comes down to Northern Ireland and England, and I, I said England would win like an idiot. Yeah, and I and I definitely saved me from a... I, I, oh, we're going to say overall I won the predictions, right? As the only one that predicted a winner. No. <laughs> uh, I no, but, everything uh, else right. <laughs> Um, in terms of the atmosphere, it really came across in the live streams as well. And I want to give a big shout out to uh, Greg and uh, John Rudland um, for their commentary across the three finals, um, especially. Uh, but their, how they handled the men's final really kept you engaged as a viewer, um, which is something we want to see more of. Um, we were talking about, you know, wanting more commentary on streams um, and Euros going forward. Uh, and that was a prime example of why you wanted because they really added to you know the spectacle of the game um so shout out to them done a really really good job i thought <laughs> yeah definitely and like going back to like the the crowd thing i think the reason why it was such an incredible spectacle is because if you looked at the other three finals right the the austrian uh england women's final i think 
uh you know it might be a bit of a controversial thing to say but i feel like people kind of favored austria to win that one like austria are the reigning champions that's not five controversial times. they've won it four well, times okay yeah like there's been covid you know the england women haven't got have got better it's just the you know i think there was a feeling that austria could could win this and they they they, they went up and did it did a quite good job and then in the northern ireland um austria game like they were both i'd say crowd favorites and then it just came down to everyone just wanted a really good game. You know, mm-hmm. everyone was like enjoying it. There was a buzz around it because of the game. And I think in the England-Northern Ireland game, this this men's final, it was more tense because it was more like, we genuinely don't know who's going to win this. Because we know what happened last time. We've had COVID since then. England are going to come out guns blazing to try and, you know, rectify what happened last time. And, um, you know, they did. They came out really hot to begin with. Uh, they got a good lead on them, and then Northern Ireland just stayed within touching touching distance. They managed to, to to bring it back. And I think the only thing that I noticed in the in the gameplay that changed in the, in the half, because uh, you know, um, Brett in his interview mentioned with uh, with Dodgeball Podcast mentioned that he felt like you know they kind of like let slip the game uh, a little bit. I think it was a bit of both, to be honest. Like from what I watched, like. England were really good at the beginning, and this is just my very novice takeaway of what I saw, is that England's cross-court throwing at the beginning was really good and was basically getting a 100% hit rate of getting Northern Irish players out, and it was getting key players out at the beginning as well. Um, So, like, you know, Adam and uh, Kelvin were getting out pretty early because of these cross-court throws that were happening, and it was, you know, really well played. As the game wore on, I think Northern Ireland found their footing a bit better and England became a little bit more linear with their throws, which meant that it was a little bit easier for Northern Ireland to dodge and find their way back into it. The rest of the game was incredibly tight. I think that's literally the only thing that I saw change over the period of the game. Um, but the, like, the whole game was just so tight all the way through. And the fact that it was decided by, you know, referees having to under, you know dissect what happened in an overtime um, set is kind of nuts because i think i think northern ireland took the lead before the final and england brought the won the final set to bring it to over i, I can't remember it was just yeah really great game really great advert for sport because it just shows you how tense it can be and yeah like i said from from being in the crowd it was just it felt like a proper sporting event you know you had the cheering you had the different teams uh supporting uh supporting different people and it was it was a great atmosphere i felt i like standing in there like uh, yes, it was very hot, but people were seriously jumping around. There was, there's a real like electric feel going through, and then like you know that expression of you know you cut the tension with a knife kind of thing. Like it just, it honestly felt like that at time. It was such a great, great experience. Um, so yeah, if you haven't booked your tickets to fly to Croatia already after one episode of telling you how great Euro's dodgeball is, <laughs> sort it out. We'll see you there next October. <laughs> All right, you've convinced me. I'll go next time. Oh great. <laughs> Um, oh, and the, the final shout out I wanted to do, I wanted to say like, con- like really well done to the refs um, because in those finals, uh, you know, being able to keep control of the crowd that, you know, were getting pretty rowdy. They they were wanting to support, they were wanting to cheer all the time. I think Sam especially did a really good job of, um, especially in that men's final, of, like just making sure that everything was quiet so everyone could hear the whistle at the start of the set and it was fair. I think that was, you know, really well, uh, really well done. And uh, you know, I just want to say congratulations to the rest of how they organised it because they did a really good job of of refing those finals. I felt um, in in probably difficult scenarios because the whole crowd, like the whole tournament's watching you, and you're and you're being live streamed. So yeah, congratulations. But yeah, should we go on to the final Perfect. placings? 
Let's do it. So yeah, Northern Ireland take the gold. They take two golds. Was that mixed? Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> I was gonna say I was really worried because I didn't want to be the one to tell you you're missing somebody. <laughs> I, just, I didn't want to so be tired. like Switzerland did not come twelve. <laughs> it's a long day. It's been a long day. <laughs> um, Northern Ireland first take the gold. They take the second gold ever um, at Euros. They take two at this Euros. Uh, England take the silver and Austria take the bronze, which means that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Northern Ireland take two golds and a bronze, uh, England take two yes. silvers and a bronze, and Austria take a gold, silver, and a bronze. Yeah. Yes. So medals distributed between three teams, um, which is pretty good, pretty good going. Um, some good competition all the way around, I think, and it just see, it speaks to the levels of improvement that we're seeing. Um, Definitely. But yeah, outside of that, Scotland finishing fourth, losing to Austria in their third, fourth playoff. Um, Italy beating Switzerland. Now, this is where, you know, I know Zoe's going to like talk about it as well, but I have to say, Switzerland winning that first game uh, in the in the playoffs um, after losing the quarterfinals. So they beat France 16-12 to then like get them into a top sixth uh, finish. Honestly, like when I saw that result, I was just like, so impressed and over the moon for Switzerland because that was such a great result to get against a strong French team. Um, yeah. Like, really impressive. I think it was just astounding. I think going into that competition, I had uh, thought Switzerland was going to come eighth because I predicted them to get out of the, the group stages, but I honestly didn't think that they'd be able to take anyone uh, next stages. And and the guys knew this. Um, they were mocking me for the fact that I had said it and, and they... <laughs> You know, they were very much like, oh, we'll, we'll prove you wrong, we'll prove your podcast wrong. Um, yeah, Whoa, don't, break, don't break your neck and do it. <laughs> <laughs> that match against France was so good um, and just, you know, really showed, like I said, I think France had actually kicked into a high gear by that point. They'd kind of got their act together um, and Switzerland, you know, struggled at times against it, but overall just, just took them in a way that you've never really seen Switzerland play against France like that, like, it's historically not been a very good match for Switzerland. Um, so, yeah, Switzerland coming sixth. I mean, the thing that, that Ben Fraft kept saying was that, like, that would mean if if we could qualify for the Worlds this year, if it wasn't just an invitational qualification system, it's the top six. So Switzerland would have qualified for the Worlds this year in men's, um, which is insane. Like, for, for such a small country... With such a tiny club scene, that is that is phenomenal, and that speaks to the quality of the players. Uh, they did brilliantly, and they put everything into that match. Um, I don't think they were that upset by losing to Italy. I think they were just so happy that they'd they were in the fifth, sixth place playoff in the first place. So, yeah, really, really well done, Switzerland on that one. Switzerland massively did us proud. A really good game against France as well. Like the 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 way I saw it was it was a really controlled game they really controlled mm -hmm. themselves and took the advantages uh that, that france were giving them because france are um at least in their men's the way that i saw it a little gung-ho at times um and a little yeah. uh they're really aggressive and like to be up in your face and i think switzerland were just like fine you, you can ask throw us the balls we'll have ball possession and we'll take you off uh one at a time um and deal with it that way and i think you know switzerland did a really great job of controlling the game france though like looking at the alternative side of the story had a, a Bismol playoff uh, series because they lost pretty heavily against Austria 
They lose to Switzerland by two sets, and they lose to Wales by one set as well. It was uh, um, a pretty rough run in for France, but um, in the in the, in the uh, playoffs. But I don't think any of us would have predicted France coming eight because we know that they are better than that and they can do better. But uh, I think it just, like we say, speaks to the 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 growth of of, of Switzerland and also the other teams in um, in the Euros that just show you can't you can't you can't rely on any result going away. But yeah, on the other side of it, Wales finished seventh after beating uh, France narrowly. Italy looking very strong when they beat Wales. Um, I would I would love to see uh, Italy Scotland. I don't think they played. Yeah, they didn't play. Well, that would have been a great game. Um, and it's only because Scotland played Wales that there's that fourth fifth divide. Um, yeah. Because I think I think we can all agree there's a top three, and then like there's, I'd probably say Scotland and Italy are above the rest, to be honest. And then there's not not by much, but then um, you got like everyone else fighting it out. I would have loved to have seen a little Italy Scotland game. So uh, maybe we can arrange a friendly just to just to see it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Catching out <an> invitational. <laughs> just for for those games that we couldn't watch now. Nice. Yeah, for those games that we couldn't watch the Euros, Italy, France, women's, please, can you play? Italy, Scotland, can you play, please? <laughs> just organise, just, just want to watch this for fun because we weren't able to see it at the Euros, so please sort it out. <laughs> um, oh, brilliant. But yeah, no, it's um, cause because we have 16 teams, we had playoffs all the way through, so, um, you know, everyone had to, to fight in a knockout style to, to get the position that they wanted, and uh, which we love to see because it means that there's true competition all the way through uh spain doing a cracking job finishing 13th um beating both belgium and croatia great games as well uh good dodgeball on display there definitely worth watching those ones um just just all the way through i i i can't speak high enough for how good the competition was throughout the euros um i'm gonna keep saying it but that's why we're only doing two episodes and four hours of me talking about this and uh, and us talking about how good it was could have, could have easily been could have easily been it <laughs> yeah could have yeah we were talking at one point let's just do three four different episodes and, <laughs> and talk about it and they're like yeah we don't have the willpower to get through that because there's just so much to talk about. I mean, let's just keep it concise. Oh, Save the listeners. But yeah, any other thoughts on uh, the final placings of the of the Euros? Uh, yeah, I thought um, the Sweden Czechia game was very good. Um, I think that came down to one or two sets. Um, if memory serves, one set. Yep. Um, I will get it right eventually. Uh, <laughs> so I've got Tornify on um, the side. Yeah, I I made the silly error of uh, noting down the matches I wanted to talk about, and I forgot to write down the scores because I'm a genius. Um, Mug. <laughs> muggle. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Sweden, uh, especially considering how close they came against um, England and Wales, uh, they only lost by you know one or two sets, both of them. To finish ninth, I think, kind of does them a bit dirty i think the like the whole um ranking system probably didn't do them justice overall um because i think they played some incredible dodgeball um so yeah i, th- I think they deserve a big shout out um i, I haven't watched it but i kind of want to see the ireland hungry game um especially after hearing you talk about how how well hungry played in the the group stage um i definitely want to watch that back now um 
And yeah, big shout out to Spain Creation, Netherlands, Belgium, creating a very entertaining um, playoff uh, system between themselves. Um, definitely worth a watch if you want to kind of learn about new nations. Um, and um, yeah, overall, the men's tournament, I think, was just really enjoyable to watch with some incredible dodgeball, some incredible plays. And I probably have about three or four weeks worth of dodgeball content that I probably need to catch up on, even though I've watched a load of it already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of matches that I still want to watch because... And we, we had to talk about dodgeball eventually and get this podcast out but at the same time I was just like but can't, can I just watch a couple more games so I can talk about them but then like at the end of the day we're still going to talk two hours about dodgeball and I haven't gone into full detail on some of the games that probably deserve some detail so may, maybe time for another day we'll go into a bit of match analysis uh, or, or something but you know yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that another day but yeah Zoe your thoughts yeah I mean there's so much that we just don't have to say I think the thing that really bothered me with the, the time for span that we had to prepare is that we can't give shout outs to every single fantastic play that we saw. You know, there's going to be some amazing play in a match that happened at, you know, 5 p.m. on the second day that we just haven't got around to seeing that match. And, and that might have been the best play of the, the whole tournament and we won't have seen it. But we also wouldn't have heard about it because there's so many amazing plays that happened that everyone we talk to, they're like, oh my God, did you see this thing happen? Did you see that thing happen? Um, I think that's just, you know, it's fantastic it, that we're at that stage where there's just so much good dodgeball happening everywhere. It didn't feel as if there were any punch bags in any of the um, different divisions. You know, I, I can't really speak too much, so I didn't, I didn't really watch any of the Belgian men's matches, so I can't say if they were a punch bag in this case, but um, it really didn't feel as if any of the the newer countries were being destroyed completely and, and couldn't find their own. Foot, no, beating, footing, footing. That's the English word. I'm so sorry. I'm really tired. Um, that it's, that kind of thing it's, it's just really nice to see that there's no one who's getting destroyed at Euros um, by by everyone. You know, there's always going to be a couple matches where the highest ranked team plays against the lowest ranked team, and it's a scoreline of 28-2 or something. But that's actually not that bad in the grand scheme of things. We've all seen matches or played in matches that have been. 36 nil or 40 i think the worst one i've ever done was a, a 44 nil or something like that you don't see that at euros and i think that's really good um because because there is the chance that something's going to happen like that when you have teams like belgium like hungary like croatia that are coming with relatively new players that don't really know exactly how to play at this level um, i i do wonder how much of this had to do with the fact that i don't think there were any nations that hadn't appeared in euros before i think that's what we worked out um, everyone's appeared at least once before. So no one was completely green coming into this. In um, some form. There might have been new teams, but there weren't any new teams. New teams, but no new nations. Yep. And there's an important distinction there because the big difference between your first and second Euros is that you know how seriously it's taken. Um, yeah. You've seen that this is something that people take at this level, that they have tactics, that they have calling systems, even simple things like a calling system. You don't necessarily know that that's a thing in dodgeball until you go to your first Euros and suddenly it's there. Um, so I think, yeah, that was maybe something quite interesting that if we didn't have any completely new nations, then then we had everyone at least knew the rules and that created this fantastically competitive environment. Obviously, it's great to have new countries, but it was really unique this time around to have everyone on the same footing and actually know what they were doing, which sounds like 
barest minimum, but it's not how Euros normally happen. Um, I think that just made it a very in interesting and competitive Euros this time around. It, it made it probably one of the best Euros we've ever had, just having so many countries that knew what they were doing in one room. I 100% agree, and I don't think it's just dodgeball. Uh, you, you you talk about it in that sense of, like, you know, no one getting absolutely obliterated, but you watch the, I mean, from a British perspective at the moment, you watch the Commonwealth Games, for example, and, like, sports like hockey and netball, you are seeing blowouts, and that's just because of the the, the nature of it is. You know, Commonwealth is trying to invite as many people in, and you are seeing very one-sided scores, and it was really great to not have that in the same way in, in the Euros, and seeing you know like you say having that calling systems coming in it you didn't feel like anyone had to be taught dodgeball you definitely felt like people were coming with their own style and were trying to play to their own strengths so it wasn't just a case of you understand the basics of dodgeball it's like they'd actually come prepared because they wanted to win um and yeah it was really really great i think that's very comforting to just sort of see that yes the learning curve is very steep for that first year and then after that it does plateau you know you can have a a national team that's only existed for three years and it's basically as good as a national team that's existed for six you know the, the difference between those years is very different is very little rather um whereas the difference between year one and year two of national team is huge and that's that's really good for the sport if if we are a sport that you can get pretty competitive at that quickly then that means that we are in future when we have more countries joining in and and sort of beginner nations starting out and looking at this Euros going, okay, how can we get to that point? You'll get there. You'll get there after your first Euros. It might not be that great your first Euros. It'll be a very strong learning experience. But the second time round, yeah, it's incredible looking at the difference in some of those teams like Hungary and Spain of coming to their second ones for Spain. Um, and like just the, the quality this time around was, was fantastic. Yep, totally agree. All right. No, not the wrong one. <laughs> what happens when? So we are coming to the end now because honestly, we are all absolutely shattered. <laughs> the hot weather, talking about dodgeball, the amount of dodgeball content we've consumed—it's, it's been a joy. But um, we are all very tired now, so we're probably gonna have a nice long rest after this, and hopefully come Woo! back with some more content for you guys uh, and everyone. Like hopefully soon. We'll let you know what that is when we come up with an idea if you have any thoughts feel free to send in uh, messages because uh we're always happy to chat and uh take on any thoughts and feedback and um yeah like it's been been a great euros and obviously we've got worlds coming up so uh you know we're going to be looking forward to that um and probably do a bit of a breakdown after that afterwards um no promises um and then obviously looking forward to uh british dodgeball uh the season starting in october so we'll be we'll picking up some of the content over there and uh if there's any look if there's any nations out there who've got any local competitions going on please reach out because we're, we're trying to figure out what um national competitions are going on outside of britain we know about austria and italy um and france but if there's any others out there please let us know because uh, we'd love to try and try and capture some of those uh, events <laughs> Switzerland, yeah. yeah Switzerland. um yeah we, we try and capture some uh, yeah and and ireland as well um try and capture some of that in our social media posts so we can help uh you know share all the good uh good sporting and dodgeball uh results out there so yeah get in touch um obviously follow us on the social medias down below uh if you want to email us we do have an email it's catching out pod at outlook.com 
um and yeah don't forget to hit the like and subscribe it really helps us out um definitely the subscribe like come on now there's 33 percent of you guys are not subscribed we definitely need you oh. to 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 you know get on that insulting that i know insulting. you're taking our content and not subscribing next time we see you we want you to show your phone and it better say subscribed yeah, better it, you yeah. looking at you you <laughs> don't make me send a Karen after you <laughs> but yeah um, thanks for listening to our podcast and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time peace peace bye